right, good morning, Dorisville family, and we are so glad to have you joining us with us on Facebook Live and on the radio 102.3, later on, of course, during the week on Facebook and on YouTube. Thank you so much for joining with us. And you know, I can only hope one thing. I really hope that for those of you who are watching now or later, that the electricity and the power and the passion of the worship is carrying through this lens today. I only wish you could be here. There's very few of us here today. But, man, the worship team has just done an incredible job. And, and the songs are just so alive in words. So I only hope you can sense the passion and the truth that was coming through those songs this morning. It really was incredible. So God bless you. And let me say this, too. One, thank you for watching. Thank you for being faithful in your watching. And you guys have been, just been incredible in your giving, your faithful in your giving. Thank you so much. You know, we're outside the building. i got to tell you something I saw. And, by the way, I figured something out. We ain't got anything to do anyway, so we could go for like six hours today. So we are in no hurry today. But anyway, so Judy and I were driving. We were, we'd been hiking. That's one of the things they said we can do. And we were coming back through Carbondale, and they had the main drag closed there, the railroad crossing. So you had to go down Main Street. And we're going down Main Street, Brent, and it was, a, it was, some, it was an independent Baptist church of some sort. And on their sign, I've seen lots of things on their signs, but on their sign they had two words, gone fishing. Gone fishing. Then it had Matthew 4.19 on there. And I thought that was so incredibly cool. I'm going to put it on ours. Because that's what the church has done. We've emptied the building, but we have gone fishing. We are fishing for men. And we are telling the story of the Lord Jesus Christ outside these walls. So praise God for that. We are so very incredibly grateful. Well, we're in week two today of our Elijah series. And we're going to look at today one of the most powerful stories in the entire Old Testament. It is a powerful one of truth. Hope you get your pen out, get your worship app open, get ready to take some notes, follow along the scriptures there. Um, it's just a powerful, powerful, powerful story. And we're going to entitle the sermon today, Beating the Widowmaker. Beating the Widowmaker, with the idea and concept of the things that cause us widows. Now, I probably ought to look at my sheet to get this right, because all the doctors and the nurses are counting on me getting this right. So there's a thing called the Widowmaker, and it involves your heart. In fact, it involves, and this is where I really need to look to get it right, is the left anterior descending artery. Let me say that again. The left anterior descending artery. And what it is, what it is, it's the main artery that feeds your heart coming down the front side of your heart. And the bottom line is this. If that sucker gets clogged, you're out of here. Unless you happen to be in just the right place at the right time, most of the times it is fatal. You, might, you may think of this artery as the I-75 if you're going to Florida, okay? Now, back in October a couple of years ago when I had my little heart attack, mine was a Highway 441, okay? And that's a snaking road that sneaks into Florida, okay? Mine was a 441. But, but this Widowmaker is the major artery. And again, if it happens, you are gone, okay? And there are things that happen in our lives that can make widows. They can make widows of our faith. Now, the lady we're going to talk about today is already a widow, all right? So we're going to make us think a little bit bigger about our lives. How can we beat what they call the widowmaker? Now, we're going to be back in um, 1 Kings chapter 17 today. And we're actually going to tag into the verse that we ended with um, last week. Now, if you remember right, the story of Elijah. Elijah had been told by God. Um, you know, he's already done his thing with Ahab, no rain. And he goes and he's told to go to the brook Cherith. 
And remember, cherith means cut down or cut off. And God said he was going to send ravens, okay, and the brook would give him water, the ravens would feed him. So, you know, Elijah's diet was, you know, seeds, fruits, nuts. I figured out there were probably a few bugs in there and, of course, the occasional mouse. And so that was his diet during this time at the brook. And the Bible literally says that he lived there. So it was a while that he was staying there. Listen, listen, listen. This is important. Life was isolated and life was calmer. And you know what? In a lot of ways. Now, now, moms, if your baby's sitting seven kids or four kids or three kids inside your house for the third week, I know quiet does not enter your mind. I've got that, okay? But, but it often, in some ways, our lives are much quieter and calmer than they were at that time. I still believe that one of the things God is doing in our lives, he's got a fourth, a fourth Sabbath on us. You know, last night I sat down at my computer and I was studying the sermon and I was also doing other things, you know, church related on my computer at home. And, and I did something I've done once before and I had to do it again. Brent, can you guess what it was? I cleared the calendar. I went through delete, 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 delete. Because, again, as you know, Governor Pritzker declared that the stay of home order be, you know, extended at least through May 30th. And so I went through and cleared the calendar. But as I did that... I realize how much slower life is. He's given us a fourth, fourth, fourth Sabbath and saying rest, isolate. You know, Oswald Chambers was a young pastor. He died young and old. I mean, like like eighteen something, late eighteens, early nineteen hundreds. You know, something like that. But listen, what he, I mean, this is. I read this to Judy and said, this is so powerful. Now, now listen. If you got the worship app, you've got this. Okay. Um, if if you don't, you need to get your pencil out and write this down because it is such a powerful quote. Here's what it says. Solitude with God repairs the damage done by the fret, noise, and clamor of the world. Now, that is powerful. Let me read it to you again. Solitude with God, getting alone with God, getting with the quietness of God repairs the damage. Those are the powerful words. Declares the damage done by the fret and the noise and the clamor of the world. You know, what comes to my mind is Psalm 46, verse number 10. You know, be still. Just just be still and know that I am God. And I honestly believe one of the things that God is teaching us in this time is be still. And, and I love it. You know what it means? It means stop striving. Stop fighting. Stop striving. Just be still and know that I am God. So, so here we have Elijah. He's by this brook. The ravens are feeding him. The water is there. He's got nothing but time. He's being still and knowing that God is God. And then something happens. In verse number 7, we get a little bit of information. In verse 7, and again, we used this last week. We closed with this last week. In verse number 7, read this. But after a while, after a while, we don't know how long a while is. We don't know how long a while is for this season. We don't know how long, okay? And Elijah didn't know how long. But after a while, the brook dried up, for there was no rainfall anywhere in the land. Now, let me tell you what I, what I know, okay? Because, because God had been feeding Elijah through the ravens, and the brook had been there, because of the faithfulness of God, when the brook started drying up, Elijah realized change was coming. He realized that eventually God was going to have to do something different because the brook was drying up. 
Now, there's something I wrote that's, again, once again, there are several times I'm going to say this today. If you have a pen, if you don't have the worship app, get a pen out and write this down. Because here's the deal. As the days passed, okay, the brook became smaller and smaller until it stopped. It was a seasonal brook. I can't remember if I told you the story or not, but just several weeks ago, you know, Judy and I went to um, the Rocky Bluff Trail down by Carbondale on, on Crab Orchard Lake, um, really Devil, Devil's Kitchen Lake, and, and we walked that day, and there it was, this huge waterfall. I mean, it was like totally awesome. And so it so impressed us. The next week, we said, let's go do it again. And we went back, and the, the uh, waterfall had been reduced to a little bit of a trickle. I mean, it was enough where you could hear it, but it wasn't impressive. And then we, still, we wanted to see the wildflowers, and so we went back the next week, three weeks in a row, and then the waterfall was totally dry, totally dry. And then, of course, the reason why was it's a seasonal waterfall. When it rains, it flows. When it doesn't, it doesn't. Well, the brook Cherif was the same thing, okay? It depended on rain. We know there's no rain in, in all of the land. So the creek gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Now, the rest of that quote goes this. For those fed by their own hand, it's a time of distress. In other words, if you had been at that brook and you were there on your own accord, you saw you know, a chance to have brookside property, okay? And you said, oh, this would be a nice place to camp, all right? And then that, that brook dried up, that'd be a very distressful thing. That'd be a very distressful thing. In fact, you might say, oh, no, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I had water and now I don't have water, all right? But, but, what if... You have been fed by ravens. What if you've been fed by ravens? It wouldn't be a time of distress. It'd be a time of anticipation. You wouldn't be saying, oh no, what am I going to do? Because if you're fed by ravens, you're not depending on you. You're depending on God. May I say that again? If you are depending on yourself, you're in deep weeds. But if you're depending on God, okay, and God's fed you by ravens, then when it happens, you don't say, oh, no. You say, oh, wow, what is God going to do next? Do you find yourself doing that? Are you saying, oh, no? Are you saying, oh, wow? It all depends how you've been living your life. If up to this time you have depended totally on you and your resources and your income and your power and your ability, right now you're saying, oh, no, what am I going to do? But if a faith is a way of life for you right now, and was before this thing all kicked in, you're probably saying, oh, wow, what is God going to do next? I find that so powerful. I find that so powerful. So, so it, it dried up, okay? And then it says in verse 8, it says, then, then, and again, we're not sure how long then was. Then could have been minutes. I mean, the water dried up and instantly God spoke. But that's what we like. Amen. When the, when the brook dries up, we walk, and God immediately speaks and says, here's what's next. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. But what if it was ours? What about, what about it was ours and he got a little thirsty? What about that? Then, then we're not so quick to say, okay, you know, wow, what's God doing next? And what if it was days, Brent? We don't know. What if it was days and the thirst came? Okay. It'd be more difficult to say, oh, wow, what is God doing next? We don't know. But here's what we do know. Then, then God spoke. The Bible says, then the word of the Lord came to him. We don't know how quick the word of the Lord came, 
But the word of the Lord came with the next thing. Um, he, he answered his spirit of anticipation. Oh, wow, what is God going to do next? And then God finally shares with him what God was going to do next. Now, here's another little piece of advice. When you get by the brook, okay, in that time of isolation, and God is using you know, that time to repair the, the damage from the fret and noise and worry of the world, okay? And, and remember Psalm 46, be still and know that I'm God. Because often God speaks in whispers, okay? So, so where, where Elijah is still now, by a dry brook, he still needs to be quiet. He couldn't be screaming at God and saying, God, where are you and what are you going to do about this? He would have missed the whisper of God. But the whisper came. And Elijah was listening. May I suggest that in these days, instead of, if you read my article, stomping your foot, hollering and screaming about it, why don't we be quiet and see if God has a message for us? Why don't we be quiet and hear if God has a message for us? So the word of the Lord finally came. And listen to this. The silence of God is worth the wait. The silence of God. It's worth the wait. If you're in this crisis right now and God seems silent, shh, it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. Let, let him speak. He will speak in his time. This is not a time that he's deserted you. It's a time that he's growing you. This is not a time that he's deserted you. It's a time that he is growing you. So the silence of God, when it comes, is always worth the wait. And then he speaks. Here's what he says. And I'll just guarantee you, if I was a betting Baptist, I would bet that this is not what Elijah wanted to hear. Here's what he said. In verse 9, the first part. Get up. That part wasn't hard. Get up and go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon and stay there. Get up. Go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon and stay there. Now, now you've got to understand, if Cherith, if Cherith was a surprise, and it probably was, okay? Because again, I'm pretty sure Elijah, being the zealous man he was, was going to say, charge! But God said, go hide. So that was a surprise. Well, if that was a surprise, this is a shock. Why is it a shock, Dwayne? Well, let me tell you. First off, this. Zarephath is 90 days, or 90 miles. <laughs> My flight seems like 90 days, too. 90 miles from Cherith. So on foot, okay, he was walking from this brook to this town called Zarephath. Okay? Now, I tried to do, make this so you could understand it really clearly. It was kind of hard, but this is the best I could do. If you were to take now, leave here, leave Harrisburg... And you were to walk to Owensboro, Kentucky, okay, one way, that's 89 miles. That's how far Elijah had to walk. Um, I did my little MapQuest thing, you know, and MapQuest told me that if I was going to walk from here to Owensboro and walk straight through at about a three-mile-an-hour three pace, okay, less, right at 15-minute mile, which is booking it, by the way, in case you don't know that, okay, 39 hours, Straight through walking. Not 39, you know, a little bit here. I mean, straight walking through, it would take you 39 hours. So God tells him to go to a town that is 90 miles away on foot. They, he didn't have a pickup truck. He didn't have a 1983 Dodge van. Um, he didn't have a bicycle. And there's no indication that he had a mule. 
And God says, go 90 miles. And it gets better, because from there, he says, 90 miles from Cherith to a town between Tyre and Sidon, that's their path, the homeland of, get ready, Jezebel. The home stomping ground of his arch any. The, the home stomping grounds, okay, of the lady, the woman, yeah, the woman, that led Ahab even further away from God. The home stomping grounds of the woman who's going to say, if you're alive tomorrow, may the gods kill me. His arch nemesis was Jezebel. It's her home grounds. And, if that is enough, it's also the heart of Baal worship. So God takes Elijah from the brook Cherith that had dried up, okay? Say, I want you to go to Zarephath. Oh, 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 and it's 90 miles away. And oh, 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 Jezebel's area, that's her homeland. Okay, and oh, 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 they love Baal there. Pretty difficult. Of course, you can understand this. You know, I imagine in the days that we live in right now with the shutdown, you know, even Zarephath sounds pretty good. Amen. I mean, let's, let's go to Zarephath. Judy, Judy showed me a cartoon. You may have saw it on Facebook. It's really cute. It's a cartoon. It shows a mom and some kids. And the mama goes, what day is it? And the kids holler back, it's Friday. And the mom says, and what are we going to do? And the kids say, we're going out. And mama says, where are we going? And the kids go, to the patio. <laughs> it's kind of the days we live in. We understand about Zarephath. Well, well, Elijah understood too. He, he knew that it was time to move. To stay there was not going to be a good thing. So he decided to go to Zarephath. So, so we find that, okay. Um, we, we find that, and let's just go and go to verse number nine, the second part. You know, look, he says, here, here's why you're going to Zarephath. Not because it's Jezebel's hometown and not because of Baal. Look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. Okay, now I love the word look there. It's like God's saying, now wait a minute. I know what you're I know what you're thinking, Elijah. Wait a minute. I've got someone there to take care of you. I've got a woman, and just depending on how much of a so show this um, Elijah was, that may have been good or bad news. Probably was not good news. But here's the killer. It was a widow, a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. Okay? You know. <laughs> If I was Elijah, if I was Elijah, yo, I would be going to God. Okay, God, God. First, we did the bird thing. Now we're going to do the widow thing. Really? Can't we just go to Walmart? Can't we just go to Walmart and get me provided that way? And God had such this huge plan. She goes, no, no, no. I've got someone. Okay, I've got a woman, and that woman's going to be a widow, and she's going to provide for you. Now, now, normally, this would have been madness. Normally, and this is so important. Normally, it would have been crazy. Okay, but because of the brook and the ravens, it made perfect sense. See, here's what you got to do. you got to go back to a time when God made sense, and then when you get in a time when God doesn't make sense now, and it helps you. Remember a time when God made sense. So even when we're in a time and a situation where it just doesn't add up, the math doesn't add up, the lines don't align up, then we still have to trust God and go back to a time, oh yeah, that made sense, okay? So, so that's what Elijah has to do. In fact, he does that because verse number 10, the first part says this. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. He simply obeyed God, okay? Now here's the deal. He's saying, if God, 
If God was faithful, when he told me to go to Cherith over here, and he sent water in the brook until it was time for it to stop, and then he sent ravens, and they brought me the seeds and the fruits and the nuts and the bugs and an occasional rat. When he brought me dinner, okay, God was faithful. And I learned this. I learned that God is good. God is faithful. God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted, okay? So then when it came time for him to go to Jezerapath, if God was faithful then... He knew God would be faithful now. And you better write this down. Are you writing this down? If God was faithful in the past, he's going to be faithful in the future. Okay? He doesn't get in the business of unfaithfulness. All right? He is in the business of faithfulness. Now, one of the songs David taught us, we serve a, good, a God of good intentions. He's thinking good for us. Okay? He has different ways of doing that, but he's, he's thinking good for us. So he got up and went to Zarephath. I love what Charles Stanley said. Charles Stanley said, you know, obey God, obey God, and then leave all the consequences to him. That's good. Obey God and leave all the consequences to him. And then I added this. I added this. You know, obey God and leave all the details to him. See, see, faith, faith doesn't require details. Faith doesn't require all the answers. You know, you've got all, we all have all, don't we all have questions? When is this going to end? How is it going to end? What's the future look? When is this coming back? When is that coming back? When, what, hey, who, what? Okay, faith doesn't require all the answers. May I be blunt? May I be a little stern? Either God is in charge or he's not. You need to determine that. Who is running your world? Is it you, Satan, or God? And it is God. I just believe that God is in sovereign control of our circumstances. So he gets up. He goes to Zarephath. Now this is good. He gets to Zarephath. This is the second part of verse 10. So when he arrived, when Elijah arrived at the city gate, what was one of the first things he saw? You guessed it. A widow. Let's read. When he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow Gathering wood. So the first thing he sees is God's provision. Ooh, that's how they got to preach. The first thing he sees is God's provision. So I know you're out there, you're going, someone's going, uh, preach. How did he know it was a widow? Oh, well, you understand there's poor and then there's widow poor. I mean, this woman was at her wit's end. It was written all over her. She might as well be carrying a sign. And I like what the King James says. The King James doesn't say a widow. It says the widow. The widow. And she might as well had a sign in her hands that said, Hi, I am the widow. It was so obvious. So he gets there again, and this woman is gathering wood. Or we're going to find out why in just a moment. Now, I like this. Okay? God often rewards our faith with a confirmation. God often rewards our faith with a confirmation. So, we're, you need to know this in case you don't. We're on a faith journey. You know, I, I think this will be called the scattering of the church. I think it's also going to be called a faith journey. Each one of us have different ways that we're on a faith journey, that we're working through this. Our journeys are different, but they have one central theme, trust God. Our journeys are different, but the central theme for every believer is trust God. Trust God. 
So, so as we journey through this, one, God often rewards our faith with a confirmation. Okay? In this case, Elijah walks up to the city gate, and there is the provision. You, you may have a story today. You may have a story already where you say, Dwayne, that happened to me. I said, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. I'm going to trust you regardless. And already you've got a story. You know, it, it was this, it was that, it was this, it was that. And all of a sudden, boom, there's the confirmation. But then there's somebody going, I don't have a confirmation. I mean, I'm trying to obey, but I don't have a confirmation. Well, it says it right there. In the absence of that, he gives peace. He may give you a physical affirmation where you can say, this is how I'm going to provide for you. I promise this and this is it. He just may give you peace. You won't be able to explain it. You can't understand it. You'll wake up. The world's crashing around you. Your world is caving in. It's imploding. Okay? But then you have this peace. A peace that doesn't make sense. Let me say this. If God chooses to give you a confirmation, that works. If God gives you his peace, that works. Either one works. We don't get to choose which one he sends, but either one works. You know, Jesus said in John 14, he said, Peace I give to you, not as the world gives, my peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. So whether he sends a confirmation or whether he sends a peace, either one works for us. Well... We go on down just a little bit further in verse 10, the third part. Elijah calls out to this widow lady. Again, there's poor and there's widow poor. She is the widow poor. Elijah calls out to her and said, Hey, would you please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink? Now, this was not too difficult. Even in a drought, everyone seemed to have in villages would have a little water. There was a well, okay, and they could draw a little water. All right, so this was not too challenging for the woman. All right, so he says, "Hey, give me a little water and a cup that I can drink." And it was a, it was an ancient Eastern um, hospitality thing. You fed and drank, gave people to drink. You know, it was a hospitality thing. Verse eleven. As she went though to get it, he called to her and said, "Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand." Now this is not so common, okay? And nor is it that easy. I mean, here's the deal. Here's the deal. She had water. She didn't have the bread. We're going to see that in just a moment. Okay? So Elijah challenged her. Elijah's request challenged her with sight versus faith, possible versus impossible. Sight was, I have water. I can do that. Elijah, I can do that. I've got water. Well, then she goes further, bring a piece of bread, something she did not have. The possible with the impossible. The sight versus faith. And God's going to do that to us. There are going to be things that are so easy to obey God. It's sight. But then God's going to say, trust me, even though you can't see the outcome. That's faith. You're going to see, God's going to challenge you with things that you can do. That's the possible. But then he's going to ask you to do something that you can't do. And it seems impossible. Sight versus faith. Well, she said in verse 12, but she said, as the Lord your God lives, and by the way, her God was not the Lord God. It was Baal. She's living in Baal territory. There's no indication that she was a woman of Jehovah. Okay? 
So as the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked. Only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. She said, I don't have anything baked and the ingredients I have are very small. I've got just a little bit of flour and I've got just a little bit of oil. Okay, now, in her mind, in her mind, that's the ingredients for the Last Supper. And not the Last Supper, but her Last Supper. Her ingredients were, her plan was this, and we're going to see it in just a moment. You know, I'm going to make a little bit of this, and we're going to eat and die. So she's saying, all I've got is, is enough ingredients for a Last Supper. But you know what's funny? God saw those ingredients of the making of a miracle. God saw that as the making of a miracle. I mean, can someone say loaves and fishes? Can you say loaves and fishes? I mean, you know, you know, Jesus had these people gathered around him, and you know, we're going to feed these people. What do you mean, feed these people, Jesus? We ain't got, we ain't got nothing, man. Well, go out and see what you can find. And they find this kid that's got five loaves and two fishes. They bring him to Jesus. <laughs> See, when you bring anything to Jesus, it gets bigger. <laughs> when you bring anything to Jesus, it gets bigger. And so, so, so Jesus takes these five loaves and two fishes and he blesses it and boom! 5,000 people are fat and happy. I'm sorry, 5,000 men, 10,000 people. Fat and happy. That's what happens. God, God, God can do that. We can't do that. Dorsville, you can't do that. You know, individuals, we can't do that. But nothing is beyond the scope of God's abilities. Nothing is within, without, you know, outside the scope of God's abilities. So all I've got is these couple ingredients here. I'm, I'm, I'm gathering some sticks together. You saw me picking up wood, and I just says, yeah, yeah, I saw that. You're, you're picking up sticks. And she said, I'm going to prepare uh, it for myself and my son so we can eat and die. I mean, here's her world. You know, there was no, there was no support. There was no supply. There was no stimulus money. There were no loans. There was nothing. Okay, feel that way? There was nothing. No support, no supply. You know, all I've, you know, all I've got is my false God. And he's not doing very well. In fact, he's the God of rain. And the whole problem started when he, it's not raining. It's not raining. Well, he said this. Okay, <laughs> this is really good play on words. So in verse 13, this first part, then Elijah said to her, well, don't be afraid. Don't you want to slap a preacher when he says that? Yeah. You've got bills due. Your job's uncertain. You know, you're going crazy with the kids. Don't be afraid. Well, don't slap the preacher because it's only the word of God. You know, 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given... Listen, if you're afraid today, you need to know something. That spirit is not from God. It's said, I don't know if it's even true or not. Who can count it? That three, there are 365 times, one per day, that God's words in some form says, don't be afraid. So God says, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but I've given you a spirit of power. In the Greek, that means the ability to do. I, what's it, 4.13? I can do all things. Say it at home. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that includes faith, the faith to believe. Faith to believe. I can do all things. He gives us a spirit of love, a love and a loyalty to him. A, a love and a loyalty to the groom that you're engaged to, the Lord Jesus Christ. 
a sound mind, an undivided mind. I love, I love Isaiah 43.1. This, this is so good. You know, do not fear. Do not fear, the prophet says. God speaks. I, for I have redeemed you. Someone say amen. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, let's just walk right over here and point to this. Because this is the proof of the redemption. This is the proof of God's love for us. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. Don't be afraid. I paid the price. Don't be afraid. Sin is defeated. Don't be afraid. Death is defeated. Don't be afraid. The grave is defeated. Don't be afraid. I have redeemed you. I paid the price for you. I have called you by your name. You know, I'm so glad God doesn't do this. Hey, you. Hey, what's your name? Um, uh, uh. The God of the universe knows your name. He calls you by name. You, he says, are mine. We're the sons and the daughters. Someone say amen. We're the sons and the daughters of the Heavenly Father. We're the princes and the princess. We are of the Almighty God of the universe. You are mine. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, here's a special treat. If you've got the worship app, you're going to see what they're not going to see, the people on Facebook Live, if you don't have the worship app. There's a beautiful graphic there in the worship app. It's got 33 verses on fear. 33 verses on fear. So you can go back and start reading those verses later on when you get afraid. Now, now if you don't have the worship app open, you're missing that. Okay, but you can still open it this week. All right? 33 verses, a beautiful graphic on not having fear. Well, let's get down to verse 13, the second part. So Elijah said, you know, here's what I need for you to do. Um, I want you to go. Okay, go and do what I said. Okay? Go, go and do what you said you're going to do. And not the dying part, the making a fire and eating part. Okay? But then he says, but first make me. Now, it's not about Elijah at this point. It's about faith in God. Okay? It wasn't that Elijah was important. It's that God was important. It wasn't that Elijah was important. Faith was important. Believing was important. Okay? So, but first make me a small loaf from it and bring it to me. So here's what I want you to do. I know you've got just a little bit here. You've got two or three sticks. And you've got a little bit of oil. And you a little bit of flour. And what I want you to do is, I want you to go in there. And I want you to make a small loaf. And it's going to be small because there ain't much there. It's going to be a small loaf. But see, it's a small, woohoo! It's a small loaf, but it's big faith. It's a small loaf, but big faith. See, you can have, you can have a small loaf and still have big faith. Come on now. You can have a small loaf and have big faith. All right? So, so go ahead and make me a small loaf and bring it out to me. Now, very obviously, something's being asked here. Put God first. Put God first. Now, now watch this. Watch, 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 watch. Afterward, afterward, you may make some for yourself and your son. Now, again, if you're taking notes, take this down. All right? There was going to be an afterward. There was going to be an afterward. See, there was going to be an after this. See, but, but, but see, in order for there to be an after this, 
there had to be a put God first. See, if she chose to use the oil and the bread for herself, done deal. She's going to delay the inevitable, which is death. Okay, but if you put God first, there's going to be an afterward. And I, I guess I'm saying that that's for us. That's for us. Hey, put God first. And in this mess, there's going to be an afterward. Woo! Man, put God first. And after this, there will be an afterward. Then you can make some for yourself. See, this principle is taught in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. And it's so appropriate now because of the situation we're in. It says this. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first produce of your entire harvest. Put God first. Put God first. Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first produce of your entire harvest. Then, then, your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. Dwayne, how does, what does that look like? How does that happen? I don't have a clue. All I know is I believe the promise. You say, Dwayne, is it, Dwayne, was that written to us? Well, no, it was written back in the Old Testament by the wisest guy in the world. But would you trust something Jesus said? Would you allow me to bring that into your life today? If you can't buy Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, would you believe what Jesus said? Yeah, Matthew 6, 33. He says, seek first. When? First. Not second, not third, not after Amron, not whatever, after the gas bill. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then what happens? All these things will be added unto you. Same principle. It was Jesus, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Not Old Testament, but New Testament. And let me tell you something. It's never more appropriate than times like these. Because when you put God first, you're saying, God, I trust you and God, I believe you. And if I understand the Bible right, there's one thing God so wants from us. And that's our faith and trust in Him. Our faith and trust in Him. You know, the depth of our faith is measured by the degree that we put God first in every area of our life. Our faith is measured by the degree that we put God first. First. I'll say it now, but I'm going to say it again in about a week or two. God doesn't want to be number three in your God list. He doesn't want to be behind power, prestige, bass boats, and trucks. He wants to be number one. And, and then you remember when I, because I'm going to say this again, I claim rights. He doesn't even want you to have a God list. He wants to be your one and only. Church, He wants to be your one and only. Your one and only God. So, it goes on. It says in verse 14, For this is, now slide you, For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. Now, Baal didn't say this. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. The flour jar will not become empty. And the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. This is what God says. Now, she was, again, she was not a Jehovah follower, all right? So she might have been saying to herself, how do you know? How do you know? Does anybody ask you, how do you know? Now, has a person walked up and said, well, how do you know God's real? How do you know God's faithful? Past performance. Past performance. And, and this, is, this is me talking, not scripture. This is me talking. Okay. So, so let's say the widow said, so how do you know God's going to do this? Well, let me tell you what he did at Cherith for me. 
Let me, let me tell you about my brook experience. How that twice a day, God sent birds, wild birds, wild birds. And they came at my feet. They laid all kinds of seeds and nuts and, and insects and a couple of mouse or two. Every day in the morning, every day at night. And I'm just telling you, lady, if God did it then, He can do it now. If God did it then, He can do it now. And if God did it then, He can do it now. He can do it now. He's not changed. He's still the same God. So she's at this crossroads. She has two choices. She can believe the local lore, Baal. By the way, Baal was a miserable failure. Baal was the God of rain. And all this is being caused by no rain. But she could believe the local lore. Or she could believe the Lord God Almighty. And see, you're in the same situation. We are in the same situation. We can believe in the world, in the world's ways, or we can believe God. We can believe the world and the world's ways, or we can believe God. And like I said earlier, you know, if she chooses to believe the local lore, here's what's going to happen. Elijah, I, I can't buy that. I can't buy that. So, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my little bit of oil, and I'm going to take my little bit of flour, Robin, and I'm going to go home, and I'm going to make me a fire. And I'm going to bake me a little cake. And me and my son are going to eat. And then we're going to sit down quietly and wait for death to come. That's what Baal will get you. That's what local lore will get you. Or she can say, on the other hand, okay, I'm going to choose to believe what this man says about his God. I'm going to exercise faith in what he says about his God. I'm going to put God first and just see what happens. And here's the deal. If you follow Baal, you have a little meal and you die. And if you follow God, you have a feast and live. Is that true? Well, the Bible says that I... I, you know, that's what it says here. Okay? These are the ways of faith. You know, Stephen Furtick says, Great moves of God are usually preceded by simple acts of obedience. You know, great moves of God are usually preceded by simple acts of obedience. Simply asking you to believe. To believe. To believe. And then he confirms, okay, and, and then she does it. She chooses to believe. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. You know, Sinclair Ferguson, uh, a theologian, says this, you know, be obedient. Be obedient even when you do not know where obedience may lead you. You know, there's an old saying, when you don't feel like praying, that's when you really need to pray. And man, I, I put down especially. So be obedient especially, especially, especially when you do not know where obedience may lead you. You know, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 talks about Abraham. The Bible says, And Abraham believed God, and he went even though he didn't know where he was going. I don't know where this is going. I don't have an insider's market on it. I just know God's faithful. Will it be a hard time? It may well be a hard time. We may be wishing we had bugs, nuts, seeds, and occasional mouths. I don't know. But does that diminish the faithfulness of God, friend? Does that diminish the faithfulness of God? And I say, no, it does not. It does not. Well, here's the end of the story. So, the woman, Elijah, 
and her household ate for many days. Hmm. That sounds like an answer to prayer. <laughs> that sounds like an act of faith. Uh, we had one last meal, the last supper, little loaf of bread, eat and die, or we can trust God and have a feast and eat for many days. And sure enough, you know, the Word of God says, and I happen to believe the Word of God, the woman, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. In fact, the flour jar did not become empty, and the old jug did not run dry. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Elijah. Now, it wasn't Elijah doing this. You do know that, don't you? It's God. The word of God spoken through Elijah. It's so powerful. I mean, don't you know? And, and by the way, you're, you're going to hear this again next week, so hang on to this. Okay? Don't you know that it probably was the same principle? Remember? Every morning, you know, the birds came and fed Elijah. And before long, he started looking for the birds. He just believed God was going to do it. And every time he went down and picked up a seed, you know, or a nut, or, or, or an insect, and God fed him, God is faithful, God is good, God can be trusted. How long was it before this woman, who was an unbeliever, became a believer? How long was it before she went to the same jug that was seen always to be empty and kept pouring oil? How, many, how long was it before she started going, God is good? Amen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God is faithful. God can be trusted. How, how long before she said, oh, look. Oh, look. And faith grew in her heart. Not in Baal, Amen. but in Jehovah. God, wow, yeah. Shoot that thing. Shoot that thing. But it all hinged on her faith and her obedience. Her faith and her obedience. All right, let me give you three quick things. These are the closing things. Number one, our obedience and disobedience not only impacts us, but others around us. What if Elijah had said, not Zarephath, God. I'm, you may send ravens, but you think I'm going to Jezebel's homeland? You think I'm going to her hometown? You, you think I'm going where the hotbed of Baal is? Well, I'm not sure what happened to Elijah. He may have pulled it off somehow. But there have been a dead widow and a dead boy. See, our obedience, mama, daddy, mama, daddy, you need to listen to this. Your obedience not only impacts you, it impacts your family your kids, your marriage. And, and your disobedience impacts your family, your kids, and your marriage. Obedience and faith is not just about you. It's about those around you. See, see, the church's obedience to God during this is impacting the world. We've got a great... Listen, listen. We've got a great opportunity here to impact our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and we're going we're gonna to be waved by our lives and our living and our faith and our trust and obedience. We're going to hold a sign that says, Jesus is Lord, and I believe it. Amen. Jesus is Lord, and I personally believe it. Number two, Lamentations 3.22. Because of the Lord's faithfulness, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. For His mercies... Never end. They are new every morning. 
Great is your faithfulness. Let me, let me say that reference again in case you didn't write it down. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. That's a good byword for these days. It's a good byword for these days. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. Somebody say amen. That's good. We do not perish. For his mercies never end. It's like the jug of oil. It never ends. It's like the, the, the flower pot. It never ended. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Number three. A quote by Wayne Grudem. And Wayne, I think, by the way, David was the, is one of the executive editors for the ESV translation. God's faithfulness means that God will always do what he said and fulfill what he has promised. That'll preach. God's faithfulness means that he'll always do what he said and fulfill what he has promised. How about that? Let me close with one more thing that's been a part of my life since I think probably 1985 maybe. Um, I found this on my seat at the Missouri Evangelistic Conference Convention back in 1984-5, somewhere in there. It's by Patrick Overton. Elaine Weatherton, our secretary, one of our secretaries, has this in her office from one day when I preached it. And it says this, When you have come to the edge of all light that you know, when you've come to the edge of all light that you know and are about to drop off into the darkness of the unknown, faith is knowing one of two things will happen, that there will be something solid to stand on or God will teach you to fly. You need to know that today in this crisis we're in. When you come to the edge of all known light and you step into the darkness, God will give you something solid to step on where he'll teach you how to fly. Wow. Wow. Listen, we come to the time when we normally have our invitation time, and, and we really want to do that today. Um, it's so difficult through a camera, but I really hope, first off, if you never received the great grace of God and had your sins forgiven through his son, Jesus Christ. We talked about that cross over there um, this morning. Uh, I've given my phone number out, 499-0070, and I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. And i got a couple other guys who would love to talk with you about Jesus. So if you want to give us a call. But, but do this. If you're listening right now on Facebook and you got a chance to type a comment in, Go ahead and put there, hey, I want to know more about Jesus. And give us your phone number, and we'll contact you this week. Okay? We'll reach out to you. And that's true of other things we can pray for you about. Just leave a comment on Facebook, and we'll do that. And if you're listening on the radio, then you can go ahead and call the church office, and we'll get back with you. We want to reach out to you where you are with the, Lord, with the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and with prayer if we can help you anyway. You know, all that I said today about God is true. It's true. It's not true because I believe it. It's true because the Word says it. And so I hope during these difficult times that you'll reach out, reach out and trust Him. Uh, let's pray together. Father, thank you so very much for this great day. Thank you for your wonderful truth. What a privilege it was to share uh, this Word today. As we sing now, Father, as we lift up a hymn of praise, speak to the hearts of the people out on Facebook or in the radio. Uh, Father, those may listen in the future. And, Father, draw them to yourself and reassure them of your faithfulness and your love for them. And, Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.